God's kingdom is littered with selfish people. It is disturbing and disheartening that we have been now been consumed with the spirit of self. And even those of us that tout spirituality told you many a times God is not against you having things. He's against things having you. Christ shall be saved and he that refuses to believe shall be damned. Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14, read a story to you here and there. <clears throat> I'm going to read from verses 15 through to 23. It's the parable of the great supper. And when one of them sat at meat with him, let me read from the New King James. New King James. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, that's Jesus now, teaching the parable, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Till another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And on and on and on. So that the servant came and reported these things to his master. Satan will always give you an excuse to stop you from serving in the house of God. <laughs> Are you still with me? Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, <coughs> it is done as you commanded. And still there's room. Verse 23. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, Bid them to come. Bid them to come. Lord, we pray that you will inundate this gathering with your power and your presence. You let somebody know that we indeed serve a God of possibilities. Be thou exalted, O God. As the choir sang, be high and lifted up. <clears throat> Less of every man and more of you, O God. Let your name be glorified in all that we do. We'll ask this in the precious name of our soon coming King, Jesus the Christ. Say amen, somebody. Amen. 
Child of God, it is important that I remind you that our faith is hinged on a blooded Savior. That our convictions are based on a bloody cross. That we serve a God who was so dissatisfied in staying in the comfort of the firmaments of heaven while he watched us languish, languish in sin and misery. He will empty himself of his divinity and reduce himself to the lowest common denominator. Wrap himself in the womb of a virgin and come to us as an infant son. The God who never slept nor slumbered. He will take on humanity. That now he knew what it was to be weary, what it was to be tired, what it was to be hungry. God laid in a manger. They had no room for him in the inn. I'm not surprised because what room can contain God? The very God of the very God. That's the God we serve, brothers and sisters. Who loved us so much that while he has the power to deliver us from where we're at, he chose not to do that but to come to the very place where we're at to become our king's man, redeemer. A God who is so selfless that he was more concerned about us than he was about him. And yes, we saw him walk the dusty roads of Nazareth. Until when time was fulfilled, he will carry his own bloody cross. And you know how the story ended. You know, the word Christians or Christianity, that phraseology or term did not come from God, you know. It did not even come from the apostles or the disciples. It was a contemporary, what we will call worldly term that was coined by the people of the world at the time who looked at the early disciples and realized that they had imbibed the character of the Savior that they will now call them Christians or Christ-like because they had become selfless like their God and King and they had chosen to carry their own cross. It is then very concerning to me that in our contemporary day, God's kingdom is littered with selfish people. It is disturbing and disheartening that we have been, now been consumed with the spirit of self. And even those of us that tout spirituality, we run from pillar to post, from place to place, 
ultimately looking for some deliverance because we have an agenda to serve a selfish purpose. We want to know the man of God that will pray the loudest so that they can deliver us from our predicament. We want to know the place of God that has the greatest miracles so that we can live in comfort and without any problems. But let me tell you what the, what, what the Bible says. That they that will live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecutions. Mm. Somebody, you missed your cue to give God a round of applause. So I know I'm preaching good. You may not like it, but it's the truth. Are you still with me, somebody? There are some troubles you cannot pray away. Mm -hmm. There are some challenges you cannot fast away because you are not greater than your master. That master has now commanded every single one of us that we all must carry our cross. Let every man carry his cross. Not Christ's cross because Christ already carried his cross. But every one of us ha have our own unique idiosyncratic cross that we must carry. It is in the carrying of this cross, in the fulfilling of God's agenda, that we encounter real living, that we encounter real fulfillment. Child of God, I beg you in God's name, don't be numbered amongst those who are chasing a mirage. You know what a mirage is? A mirage. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when the kids come. I'll be happy when they turn teenager. I'll be happy and I'll be happy when I get a million dollars. I'll be happy when I get 10 million. I'll be happy when I get 100 million. Fulfillment is not found in things. And I'm not telling you that because I'm making an excuse for failure. But it is a mistake to think that when I get this over here or when I reach that over there or when I accomplish that one over there that I will become happy. If you look over your life and, and if you choose to be radically honest with yourself, you will admit that the times of your life that you were most happy, most fulfilled, most glad, had nothing in the world to do with how much things that you have. Told you many a times, God is not against you having things. He's against things having you. There is nothing wrong in wanting to be blessed. But everything is wrong when we are more concerned about the blessings than we are about the blesser. When we are more consumed about the provision than we are about the provider. So every now and again, child of God, every single one of us from the pulpit to the pew, from the pastor 
to the parishioner. We must judge ourselves, examine our lives that we are not caught in the rat race. You know, by nature, we human beings are religious. We are. Even those of us that have developed fancy names to call ourselves charismatic and Pentecostal, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Church of God got it going on. We are routinistic as people. That's just how people are. Praise the Lord. It means that we have a knack or a predisposition of doing things without questioning. And that is not wise. Because it is impossible to follow a God that is moving when you're too rigid. Ah. <laughs> uh, I come to let you know that the God you serve is a moving God. It's not a monument. It's a movement. Movement. He's always on the move. When we first hear, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a term in scripture called the law of first mention. It means that anytime we first hear anything mentioned, what was mentioned about that thing tailors that very thing throughout the continuity of scripture. The very first time we hear about God, he said in Genesis chapter 1, the spirit of God is moving. He's always on the move. And if you're going to walk with God, you can't be too rigid and too religious and too routinistic. Tell somebody, get on the move, get on the move, get on the move with God. You can't be so archaic and, uh, 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 in your predispositions. You got to get on the move. If you, if you don't enjoy it, fake it, you know. I had to do that. I had to do that when Mali came here. I had no, no understanding of what the boy was singing about, but everybody was jumping for Jesus. So I had to just fake it and, you know, praise the Lord. You can, you can get away from putting blame in something God is in just because you don't understand it. God is bigger than you are. He's bigger than your culture. He's bigger than your thinking. <laughs> praise the Lord. We have to stop and ponder not just about what we want, but about what he wants. We have to, we have to check ourselves because God is not there to fulfill and sponsor my agenda. I am here to fulfill and sponsor his agenda. So I cannot continue a pattern of living where all I care about is me. Because ultimately that kind of living would lead to total internal chaos and confusion. I have to wonder about what he wants. 
God makes no excuses about what he wants. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know the scripture. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. When he says wait there, he's not talking about wait as in standing in the bus stop waiting for a bus to come. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. When he says wait there, what he means is it can't be standing idly waiting for a bus stop because it says they will walk and not be worried. They will run and not think. Those who stay at the bus stop waiting for a bus stop, they're not walking or running. Praise the Lord. When he says wait there, he means waiting as when you go to a restaurant and a waiter waits on you. If you're like me when I go to a restaurant, when the, when the waiter brings me when the weather refuses to bring me what I want, I don't pay for it. I know I'm pastor and everything, everything. Ask, ask my wife, I don't pay for it. But when they bring me what I want, I pay for it and leave a tip. When you start bringing God what he wants, he will pay for it and leave you a tip. <laughs> this is the attitude that we must have. Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? Do you want to praise? You want to worship? You want a prayer? You want souls? What is it that you want me to do? If we're going to succeed with our life, this is the mentality that we must have. And what you need to understand is that you can never bring God what he wants without him taking care of what you want. This is a scripture of vernacular for it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The things that the Gentiles are killing themselves over. God said he will add them unto you. So it has never have been and it will never be God's desire for you, a child of God, made in the image and likeness of God, to be chasing things the way people in the world chase stuff. God said, if you will chase me, I will speak to things and things will chase you and cut you down. Oh, the beloved pastor Bishop Oyedepo said, if you chase God, if you chase after things, if you chase things, you will miss God. If you chase God, you will meet gold. I believe that. I believe that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we must ask ourselves, what does he want me to do? Because he said over there in Matthew 16 that as you go into all of your world, this is an instruction for every disciple. As you go into all of your world, wherever you find yourself, in your cultural world, in your vocational world, in your neighborhood world, in your family world, in your occupational world, in your own world, God said he wants you to be the light in that place and to tell of him. 
preach the gospel to every creature. Good news. Tell them about the Lord and tell them your story. Tell them what God did for you. Let them know we serve a risen Savior. Uh, you, you, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know that I'm not just preaching his power and his deliverance over your life. You know that's not just a story. You can look back over your life and watch the hand of God how he delivered you how he saved you how he stopped the enemy from killing you off you know that you know that that's what he wants you to say that's what he wants you to tell that's what he wants you to communicate and then in this other story he said, go to the highways and the byways and beat them to come. He said, those that are, that are invited, they have made excuses. So you will meet people who will make excuses. But don't bother about it. He said, do not be interested in bringing in perfect people. Number one, because perfect people don't exist. That's always been confusing to me. And people come to church in the house of the Lord and they complain. Oh, they didn't do this to me. Oh, they didn't do that to me. Oh, this is it. Oh, me, 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 me. I, 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 I. Me, 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 me. Please. Rick Warren said, there's no perfect church. If there was a perfect church, the day you became a member of that church, stop being perfect. Billy Graham said, if you ever apply for membership in a perfect church, they will deny you membership. I believe that. To come to the house of the Lord and be complaining about the flaws of the people of God is like going to an emergency room and be complaining about people who are sick. You, why are you throwing up? You, why do you have chest pain? You, why do you have a stroke and heart attack? That's why I'm here. Because I need help. I'm running from the mess I was in and I have come into the house of the Lord to get help. Help is, real help is not instantaneous. Real help takes time. So you may be gossiping about me now, but take a look at me. It's just a matter of time. Uh, thank you, Lord. So he said we should go to our highways and our byways and beat them to come. This is a communal responsibility that God has given every single one of us. This is the instruction and the mandate that every believer has. God is saying it is your responsibility to beat them to come into his house. To invite them to come into his kingdom. Praise the Lord. So you arm yourself with invitations. And as you go into your world. Compel, in fact he said. Compel them to come. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This is God's instruction. God's mandate God's desire for you, 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 and me. He said, because the food is ready and the supper is prepared, 
bid them to come and eat of everlasting life. Bid them to come and drink from Emmanuel's veins. Bid them to come and encounter the peace and power of a real God who knows how to deliver real people from real problems. I shared with you last week, Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. One translation says, where there's no vision, the people are ineffective. Another translation says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraints. That means that anytime we don't have any goal, we don't, we don't, we don't succeed much. Goal, a goal is the driving force that brings out the best in every single one of us. You will not accomplish much in your life if you do not have any personal goals that you have set for yourself.